Welcome to episode 177 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back this week with some Justice League, uh, despite Cameron's best efforts to overturn the podcast and make it about Disney. Look, look, <laughs> this war is not over, Chris. <laughs> this war will never be over. I have so much artillery <laughs> just packed behind me. Ready to go, ready to just explode on a moment's notice. I know, I know. So. You have to be careful with your words in this one, because I will just go. <laughs> but don't worry. Uh, I, I, this is me basically talking to you, Cameron, not even our audience. I am, I will. We are going to talk about all the stuff that came out about Disney, but that'll be coming out as a separate episode today, uh, so we can just focus on doing Justice League, which is what we're supposed to be talking about right now. Oh, we're not going to talk about the other stuff that came out this week. Nope. We can't talk about Cobra Kai season three. Nope. We can't talk about Taylor Swift's new album Evermore. Don't even care. Just absolutely don't. You don't even care. care. It's I, it's it's not as good as the first one. I, I've never listened to a single Taylor Swift album in my entire life. Oh, I recommend listening to Folklore. Yeah. It's it's like genuinely, it's, it's a good album. It probably is. Yeah. I don't get. I just. I'm not a. I'm not a T Swift person. I don't get it. I don't. Well, I think well because that one's like not a T Swift album. But I also just don't really like her, which is probably not fair. I just don't give a shit. The, no, it is it is understandable. I just don't. I just don't, I really just don't care. And she, I know she's talented. I just don't give a shit. Like, if, I, but but we know what I'm listening to. It's just film yes. scores. <laughs> I listened to one of the episodes of the podcast you talked about last week. Oh, nice. Which one? Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are good scores. Mm-hmm. oh my god beautiful scores yeah because oh, there's that that one guy sideways who i've pitched you a few times the youtuber mm-hmm. who does uh like music score comprehension yeah and he talked about like the layering that's in that score and how like the new songs come out by just combining character songs yeah. who's ever in the scene oh, some great like, work. that's so cool great work from john powell on those on those scores yeah. so yeah, no, been been burning through that, and then mostly just listening to uh, old James Bond scores this week. So I'm getting my get my John Barry fix in this week. There you go, which is good. Uh, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll we'll talk news in a separate thing, so we can just do uh, you know what we're supposed to talk about, which is Justice League, which was actually I quite liked these this week. I I enjoyed them, and they also like I'm glad that we watched it this week and not last week when I was going through my like existential phase. <laughs> You didn't want to watch episodes about living nightmares? No. Well, cause so so one of them is like a major trope of DC and it's being buried alive. Yeah. And I know we'll get into it later. But like that is used so much across the DC universe. Not even just animated. Yeah. But, it it but really I'm, it is. And and I I think I think there's a re maybe a, a writer's justification for why they did that with Hot Girl, which we can get into. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking back to the Smallville days, which I guess would have been after this timeline wise, because Smallville was like 2002 to 2010. Yeah, 11. something like that. So I, I guess I'll almost concurrent. Yeah, but like that was the like anytime Lana was captured she was put in a lead box in the ground and it, it was like every third episode she'd yeah. be buried alive i mean let's let's be honest those those first few seasons with their kind of like monster of the week sort of setup 
it was a lot of stuff stretched out to make it impossible for Clark to like solve the mystery or like find whoever he cared about that was captured. So there was a lot of lead. There yeah. was, uh, yeah, lots of weird powers of the week. Most of that show isn't good, but some of the stuff towards the end is pretty solid. Yeah, but the good stuff is good. Yeah, the good stuff is good. Yeah. You know. I think I told you that that was my like my worst time of binging, or I guess my like peak time of binging, depending on how you want to look at it. You did like the whole thing in a very. I watched all of it in five weeks. Good. Yeah, it is all I did because I wanted to catch up for the final season. Did were you were you just like so like overwhelmed by the end? Were you just sitting there just yelling, "Somebody save me!" Oh yeah! Oh my god! Constantly. <laughs> In Save that, like, me from very myself. Annoying high schooler way. <laughs> I mean, that was was a great time for weird, like semi kind of emo songs. Yeah. Speaking of art of the score, I just listened to the episode on Star Trek TV, and so they go through mm. all the different themes, and some very select episodes have great scores, and they get to Enterprise, which was the first ever Star Trek show that had like uh like a pop song for the intro. Oh, and it's it's it is so of that time it like it almost has kind of come back around again in a weird way where it kind of works now as like a nostalgia piece but even yeah. when it came out it was dated in the early 2000s and it's it's kind of right up there with the the smallville theme of like only during this period of television would you have chosen this song well yeah i mean it's it's so fascinating and this is all nonsense yeah but um when i my old like pump up work playlist in college was i would just listen to all of the Power Rangers theme songs, back to back to back to back to back, uh, and you can tell when you hit the early two thousands because it completely changed from the like the rock pop, yeah. And then they had one season Mystic, where it was like this soft core rap, yep. And I'm like, what is this? Yep. God, what a what a time to have been alive! What a time to have been kids slash teenagers! Yeah. That was great. Uh, but no, let's let's go ahead and get into uh, our episodes. So, yeah, so it's Only a Dream Parts 1 and 2, um, which I I remembered these. Had you seen these before? I've never seen these before. You've never seen these. Okay. So just kind of first impressions overall, what did you think? Did you like them? Oh, they were great. Yeah. They were, like, scary. And it was it was cool. It was, they were almost like each character got their own micro episode, which was really nice. And fascinating. Yeah, I, because I, I, I vaguely remembered these. I remember the look of Doctor Destiny because I referenced it last week. This sort of like pseudo Skeletor, pseudo Doctor Doom sort of thing happening here. Yeah, um, a little bit of Moon Knight in there. Ooh, yeah, actually, that's a good call. A little bit of Moon Knight, mm-hmm. but I, what I forgot is that how well structured these episodes are because it's actually it's fairly simple plots. I mean, you know, so like episode one, we meet. You know, the guy who will become Dr. Destiny, his name's John Dean. He's a prisoner who has dreams about defeating the Justice League with this weird kind of mechanical dragon device. And then we, we quickly discover once he wakes up that that device somehow imbues people with ESP. And for whatever asinine reason, it's being used as, at a prison to give prisoners ESP. Um, but like in a very quick series of events, like a lot goes wrong for John. Like his parole is denied. His wife leaves him. Um, so he uses a prison break as a chance to overload the machine and give himself permanent ESP 
Um, and so then when the league goes after a series of escaped villains, he uses it to rebrand himself as, uh, you know, Dr. Destiny, Dr. Destiny and take revenge on his wife. And that's, that's kind of the, the bulk of the plot. Cause most of this episode is the league, you know, hunting down and, and taking out the escape villains. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically nightfall for yeah, the team. Exactly. And I, I think that's a really brilliant structure. You know, and again, it, it's great because the show gets to rely on us knowing who these characters are. So it just brings back or forgetting who these, or characters, forgetting who these are. characters are. Yeah, because so as part of the, the prison bake, so it's Strikers Island. So it's the the island prison in Metropolis. So it's primarily Superman villains we're dealing with here, but a little bit of other stuff. So we have um, Grundy Copperhead. Uh, Luminous, who you had completely forgotten existed. I, I, I'm like, do you mean Mirror Master? He is kind of similar. Yeah, he, he, he I think his name's Lightner, if I recall. Yeah. Um, and he, like, there was one episode where he was trying to kill Lois because she, like, wrote a bad article about him or something like that. Or maybe she wrote an article that helped get him put away to prison. There was another episode where he had built an invisible city, like, invisible building outside of metropolis and had turned the sunlight red to try and disable superman's powers nothing is coming back that's coming back i mean let's be honest a lot of superman was kind of forgettable and he was one of the more forgettable villains um but they also did bring back uh two of my favorites who didn't get a lot of screen time volcana and firefly it was fun to see them yeah show up and that and that spicy connection they have oh yeah so hot. that red hot flirting <laughs> But yeah, so like all those, you know, villains are now on the loose and they have to hunt them down. And I, I, even the way they handled the individual, um, like, takedowns of all of them, I thought was really clever. Yes. Uh, and with that, so yeah, so, so they kind of broke off and it was um, GL and Batman were taking on Volcana and Firefly. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a question, Chris. Okay. Cameron. My favorite thing to bring up with Green Lantern and Jon Stewart it's his constructs. Uh-huh. And I wanted to say this was a new construct, but I don't know if I can. The spoon? Beca- he made a spoon. He made a spoon. <laughs> he made a spoon. <laughs> but what are the two things he makes? He makes beams and balls. Yeah. What is and a walls. spoon? Excuse me? Beams, balls, and walls. Beams, balls, and walls. The, the Green Lantern special. Yes. What is a spoon but a beam... And half a ball. And half a ball, yeah. And I, and I wanted to give it to him. I, I really want to give him this new like item on the shelf of mm-hmm. constructs, but I don't. I don't know if I can. I I don't think we can because and, and here's where I'm going to be very pedantic as I am want to do. He doesn't actually create a spoon. He just creates a scoop at the end of a light beam. He doesn't actually yes. create like a what looks like a distinctive dining spoon that he then yeah. goes and scoops. Those special up with. like frosted flake spoons that have uh, uh, Tony the Tiger attached to the end. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's because I had that moment too. I wrote down like spoon question spoon mark. Question mark. <laughs> but he does. I will. I will take it. He does make something. He does make a vacuum chamber. Yes. To suffocate his villains. Yeah. Which feels... I mean, I get that they're both fire-powered, but, like, Firefly isn't fire, like, powered. Volcana is. Like, you got to take her out. Yeah. But you don't need to suffocate Firefly. 
I mean, he's just a guy. He's he's also he's kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick, but like Batman wouldn't suffocate him. Um, he'd just take his gun away and say, "No, bad Firefly." I okay. I, I might be misremembering as we often do, but I feel like I kind of vaguely recall an episode of Betos where Batman like holds someone underwater long enough for them to pass out, like not fully drown, drown, but like I feel like he's not totally opposed to depriving someone of oxygen to take them down, right? Fine. And I and I guess they also did say that like Batman was on day three, yeah, of not sleeping. Oof. So I guess his his judgment's a little cloudy. He's kind of just like, just get it over with. Yeah. He's, I'm going to go to the bat bed. I'm tired. Just, just. In end, the bat cave. In this place. Under the bat house. The bat, yes. He's going to go hang upside down. Yes. In his cave. Yeah. But so, yeah, GL and Batman take out Volcana and Firefly. Um, and then I I actually thought that the, the fight between Flash and Luminous, the animation on it was really, really good. There's kind of like an, an extended sequence where Luminous has duplicated himself because his whole powers, for those who don't remember, is to create, he can make hard light, no jokes, and make other versions of himself. So it's kind of like um, um, it's a multiple man from the X-Men, like a whole bunch of them are beating up on the Flash. And it's mm-hmm. a, an extended sequence. I'd say probably about a good like 20, 30 seconds straight animation of a bunch of different Luminouses hitting the Flash and him fighting back. There was... There was one shot that I noticed in that, and it's when Superman and Hawkgirl come in to try and save him. And the animators definitely ran out of time because we'll say there's like 10 Illumini. Yeah. Um, and there's <clears throat> there's the one kicking him that's animated, and then nine of them are not animated. And then there's one in the corner that's just like fist pumping <laughs> the whole time. And, it, you know, it's probably just like a 12-frame loop. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like... They had fun with that guy. That's the fun Luminous. Yeah, he's the party Luminous over there. It's like, oonce, 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 oonce. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Jersey Luminous. <laughs> okay. I may not have been paying super close attention to the Illumini, but I thought that at least the animation on Flash was pretty good. Yeah. No, and yeah, th- this was the wide shot. Okay. So this was Superman coming in. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Because when it's a little yeah. bit, when it's more like a, um, like a medium close up, like kind of waist up, um, I thought they did a good job of, you know, Flash is kind of, Sometimes he's moving at normal speed, but then he'll throw like a, an extra fast punch and having yeah. that, having so many characters on screen at the same time, fairly close up and then having a slight time variance on there. I thought, th- I thought that was actually pretty well done. It, it almost made me care about Luminous. Because I thought you were going to talk about the other fight. The Grundy fight? Where, excuse me? The Grundy fight? Yeah, because that one was great. That's really good. You know Why? Because Marsh Manhunter didn't go down in the first 10 <laughs> seconds. So I, I actually have a, a note on that. Um, so friend of the show and former guest Sam Gash wrote in, uh, literally as we had just wrapped recording last week. Um, and one of the things he mentioned was that he had watched some of the DVD extras from season one. And the, the writers, producers talked about how they would often have Superman and Martian Manhunter get taken out really quickly as a way of trying to show how dangerous the villain was yeah and that they eventually realized like they just were doing that non-stop and then they they stop by the time we got around to season two but that shorthand they use a lot um because they don't really do it as much anymore i feel like we're, no, they're no longer getting taken out within 30 seconds by a laser blast yeah this time they'll at least get like a punch in first exactly a punch or two 
but yeah, like Martian Manhunter actually does some pretty cool shit. Like he he goes like full like spirally intangible, like snakes up and around Grundy, and then like reforms just in time to punch him in the face. Yeah, it was it was very cool and fun to watch because Grundy's usually like the big scary. Like it takes a couple of them to take him down. Yeah, and you see it takes three people to take down Luminous, and like oh no, Martian Manhunter gets both Grundy, and I mean you know Copperhead is there. <laughs> He's technically he, he's not doing a lot. What, what I thought was fun about how they um, they handle some of these fights is they made for really good character moments. Right. Yeah. So one is Martian Manhunter actually showing off his incredible power set. Um, but then even with Copperhead, you know, he like he sees that things are turning south. Grundy's fighting the cops. He's probably going to get arrested. So he jumps on Hawk Girl's back and then says, basically, fly me out of here or I'll like poison you. So she flies up and she's like, okay, go ahead. You're going to fall for Stordius and die. Yeah. And, and Green Lantern comes in and, and kind of like diffuses the situation. And he's like, oh, that was a great bluff. She's like, what are you talking what about? Bluff? Yeah. I was going to kill him. He's going to kill him. He's an idiot. Yeah. In a ridiculous snake costume. I feel like Copperhead really gets the, the short shrift in a lot of these, doesn't he? He's not very good, is he? No. Because he's the only member of the Injustice gang that was taken out by Batman. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Oh, so this this was a point I was I was going to make a second ago. When we first see uh, Martian Manhunter, he's taking a nap. His his signature standing, eyes open, glowing yes. nap. And then he's a badass. And so, what if this whole time he's just been sleep deprived? <laughs> because like. Flash and Batman just keep pestering him. Yeah. Well, because you know what? I can totally see Martian Manhunter being the person who takes the most um, shifts up at the Watchtower. Yeah. Because what else is he going to go do? Like, he doesn't have anyone really anymore. He's an alien. Oh, here's a good question. Mm. How long is a day on Mars? Almost identical. Just kidding. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's about the same, right? Yeah, it's a it's a day and thirty minutes. Okay, yeah, because I think is Mars slightly. I thought Mars is slightly smaller than Earth, right? Yeah, but I mean, every planet spins at a different rate. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Venus notoriously their day is longer than their year. Oh yeah, that's right. So I was thinking like maybe they just like. You know, there's there's two ideologies you can go by. Either just like they wanted to accumulate to his time zone. It's like you know you are normally awake longer. You know your days are eight of our days. So yeah. You're just going to take eight times as many shifts as us. Shifts. <laughs> or this is this is justice like hazing of like hey you know all aliens have to go through the have to go through the the hazing process and your processes you have to do every shift. Yep. And it's the humans that tell him this, right? Yeah, it's Batman that tells him yeah, it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Such a dick. Yeah. As he's, like, trying to, like, light a cigarette, knowing it just makes Martian Manhunter uncomfortable. Yep. Just holding the book of matches. But, yeah, you're right. I think that's it. I think Martian Manhunter's just been sleep-deprived, the poor guy. Yeah. He finally got some rest in and was able to, you know, actually show up for a fight. But even even after he like gets a good hit in on Grundy, it still takes him and Superman to defeat him. And I thought yeah. the the really fun moment they had there was that you know the two of them realized that Grundy is equally as strong. You know he he can 
go toe to toe with them. But there's one thing he can't do. Swim. Fly. Fly. Yes. So that's what they- I thought. They were, I thought they were going with fly, and they they shot him into the water, and then it made me double take. I'm like, they meant fly, they, right? They or did they fly, mean swim? But you, can he swim? Yes, I'm pretty sure he can swim as well. I mean, he did emerge from a swamp originally, so. But did we see him swim in the swamp, or did he just casually walk up the floor? This is a good question. I, I don't have an answer to this, because I don't bother Chris, I need research. you to come prepared for these calls. Okay, fine. Well, between now and next episode, I will sit down and read every single comic with Solomon Grundy in it and watch every single piece of content that he's in. Look, I know you're joking, <laughs> but I when when someone questioned me on Star Sapphire and my Green Lantern knowledge, I read in the forty issues. Yes, but I, <laughs> to I catch myself up. I would also like to point out that when you did that, it actually worked against you because this is a different universe with different rules and characters. So most and it's not fair, Chris. <laughs> most of the stuff you research doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> it should apply. They were written around the same time. Apparently, there's a whole comic arc where Hal Jordan goes to therapy and people have head cannons that Batman paid for it <laughs> because he's a good guy. I, well, hang on. Let's, let's be realistic here. We can head cannon that Batman paid for it because at the end of the day, he is a good guy. But also, you know, he totally like had copies made of the therapist's notes so we could go through and analyze it and figure out what's the easy way to take out Hal Jordan. Oh, because no, here was here was my idea for it. I think it's he had Alfred dress up as a therapist <laughs> and just had Alfred relay all the information back to him afterwards. Was, actually, you know what? It may not have even been Alfred. We do know that Bruce does love to put on a disguise. That is true. <laughs> here, I know this therapist that's just conveniently next to Wayne Wayne Core. Yes. Wayne Tech. His name is Dr matches malone <laughs> yeah I, I totally see bruce doing that yeah um what was i gonna say uh but yeah but obviously grundy had to fall into water because this is still the dcau and no characters can hit the ground that's true well actually that's not true the heroes hit the ground all the time yeah because heroes always get back up yeah but it's the villains that always have to land in water or a river or a well-placed bonsai tree. Shrub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you can't land on a bonsai tree, Chris. Bonsai trees are tiny. It's a big bonsai the, tree. The atom can land in a bonsai tree. <laughs> well, fine. Then Adam lands in a bonsai tree. Okay. That Good. famous comic issue, the Adam Maybe lands in a bonsai tree. <laughs> are you saying Adam or Atom? Atom. Okay. Yes. Sounds like you're just saying Adam. Adam, yeah. That guy Adam. Like Adam Driver lands in a bonsai tree. I'd watch it. Yeah. That sounds like an SNL sketch that I'd watch. Yeah. Yes. Captain Atom played by Adam Driver. Yes, exactly. And he just keeps cutting and he's like, can you not use my real name? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can make a minute sketch out of that. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Or stretch it out to five and no one will enjoy it. Yes. But I mean. Thanks, SNL. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're right. Like this ultimately is just nightfall, right? I mean, it's, you know, a whole bunch of villains break out that justly has to go and, um, you know, capture them all. And, uh, you know, so all, while all this is going on, um, you know, 
John D has also escaped and is out to get revenge on his wife who just left him. This part of the episodes made me very uncomfortable though. Yes. The, it, Cause I mean, so yeah, his, so John now with his, you know, his ESP can get into people's dreams. It's kind of what he realizes. Um, yeah, and, and we, as the audience don't know that yet. We see Batman investigating, and he goes to kind of the the medic ward of the hospital, and everyone is just like comatose. Oh yeah, at the the prison. Yeah, everyone. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Everyone in the because yeah, originally when John puts himself in the machine and kind of overcranks it, he also goes comatose, and then at some point off screen, he uh, is no longer. Yes, because how can you forget the great Odyssey lesson we got from Batman? <laughs> Honestly, I liked that moment a lot. Uh, me too. I, you know, I love Greek mythology. <laughs> this, this is true. This, this is right in your wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, like John Stewart makes a whole point about like, what does this one guy matter? You know, we have some, some. He's pretty, nobody. He's a nobody. He's some pretty decent hitters. And so Batman, I'll, I'll let you tell the tale since Greek mythology is your, uh, your baby here. I would love to, Chris. So when Odysseus was on his way back to his wife after the the war on Troy that he successfully won with his Trojan horse. Um, he His boat kind of got stuck on an island with the Cyclops. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the Cyclops is always... I guess it was just one. I think it's just the one, yeah. Yeah. Um, like the eyeball is just the one. Yes. Because yeah. I was going to say, what is what is the Cyclops plural? Cyclopses? Cy- Cyclopi? Cyclopi? Sure. Cyclopes? Um, cy- Cyclopi? Yes. Um, and to hide, to mask his identity, Odysseus tells him his name is nobody. So then at night when he goes to poke the eye of the Cyclops, uh, in the morning, no, there must've been more than one because who would he have told? Fish. It's, not, it's the fish. fish. Yeah. Cause when someone asks him, what is wrong with your eye? It's like someone poked it. Who? Oh, nobody. Also, I love how you've, you've softened this up. When, when Odysseus just like, you know, sneaks over at night and pokes him in the eye, he fucking blinds him. He does blind him. Yes. yes. I read I read the child's version in middle school. <laughs> the child version is just have Odysseus like like sneaking in on tiptoes and then just like poking him in the eye and going, hee 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 and running off. Yeah. Yeah. And then taking his boat off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He blinds the Cyclops. But yeah, Batman tells that the little story to point out that, you know, no one is actually nobody. Yes. Which is very quickly proven because then, you know, D goes off and, um, you know, uses his ESP to get inside his, his ex-wife's head. And, and I think his powers are um, kind of naturally invasive. But there is something about him going after the wife in her sleep that I just found particularly disturbing and unnerving. Well, I think part of it is, I mean, I don't want to say that she has like a boring dream, but it's it's because we don't know that it is a dream until the very last minute. That's true. Yeah. It, it initially before appears, he's just kind of a home invader. Yeah. It initially appears like he's shown up in his house, but yeah, it just, it felt like it made me uncomfortable watching it. It, it just, it, especially given that it is a kid's cartoon, it felt really, it felt very real and very creepy. Okay. Here, here's an, an, a slightly inappropriate question for you, Chris. Okay. Um, is it because he didn't have a funny hat? 
I'm sorry, what? Because Mad Hatter does this all the time, <laughs> and we've been okay with him doing it, but he has a funny hat. Yes, Cameron, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Is, I thought so. Yes. The, the, the creepy hat totally gives him carte blanche to be as creepy as he wants. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it's because, like, you know, he's obviously more cartoony, and it feels less... You know, it doesn't feel as like realistic when it's yeah this over dramatic character. When John D is a very normal person, he, he is, and that's why I think it feels you know extra invasive and extra you know yeah um, uncomfortable. It it it, uh, it feels like because like we've seen Joker do this all the time. Yeah, and maybe that's it. It's because it's the his appearance when he first shows up at the house is normal. He's just the way he was when he was still in prison. And he's kind of got this very generic everyman look to him a little bit. Um, I don't know. It just, yeah, I think that character, his initial look before he goes full Dr. Destiny feels so normal and real. And that idea of, you know, a, a guy getting upset because some girl broke up with him and then like terrorizing her is a very like real thing that it just, mm-hmm. it really made me uncomfortable to see that, um, you know, sequence and then you know eventually he he changes into like the full dr destiny he 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 decides he needs to be a, a full-on supervillain as he aspires to be um and goes like for a moment naked and then he puts on his costume which well, he of- also grows his hands so you know he's yes. compensating for something yeah and I, I think it just it felt like even though he invades a lot of other characters dreams the fact that it's the the ex-wife that it's not one of the heroes that she's you know an innocent in all of this she basically just got tired of waiting around for this guy and she dies and like I they think, say in the next episode that she dies yeah and i think that's it you know it's that she she's basically stuck in this this nightmare state constantly being uh, terrorized by something we, we don't even really quite know what she's experiencing but the fact that it's so it's so traumatic that it ultimately kills her. This is probably one of the most horrific deaths in all of the DCAU. Yeah. And I feel like they had to just reference it off screen because to show it would have been way too much. But I also feel like they're kind of brushing it aside by just making a quick reference of like, oh, and she died. And, and I guess this also, it kind of, it, it becomes a fridging element to some degree. Like this character is killed off just to raise the stakes for everyone else in the show. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they do it differently, but to me it felt a little bit too far overall. Her. her yeah. And, and I was thinking like, you know, if they just like described that she was close to death, I think that might be even scarier in a kid's show of like, if they if they were like oh you know like her blood pressure is spiking her heart rate is going crazy, um you know like she has a team of medical staff that are on hand at all times to make sure that she's sedated and under control. Yeah, it's like oh that is like a much more terrifying image to children than just a like very roundabout way of saying because they never say that she's dead. They say there was a tragedy at the hospital for. Um, john doe's ex-wife yeah and i think that's it they they that that it's weird either they should have made that a bigger deal than they did or they should have cut it out entirely but i i I feel like that character uh, 
suffers. Well, I, but, but also like see, you know, it is it is the fridging element of they they needed to show the stakes of what the rest of the league was under. Yeah, that even though they're stuck in this dream state, there is a consequence beyond the nightmare of you know. Flash could die be, be, being stuck in there. Yeah, Superman could die. GL, Hawk Girl. Yeah, and, and ultimately it's Hawk Girl that is, is kind of like the last one really in peril. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. It's just something about that whole sequence just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I feel like that that character uh, suffered greatly without ever really feeling totally justified um, or given due respect. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. But I mean, it, but it does you know, uh, maybe questionable writing aside, it does establish how high the stakes are, right? You know, that she's in this, you know, she hasn't even died yet by the end of the first episode, but she's in this, you know, really severe peril. And then the the league has rounded up everyone and everyone's, you know, super dead. And we, we see like, you know, hot girl fall asleep, even though she tries to take the first watch up at the watchtower. Superman falls asleep. You know, uh, we see John go to bed in his apartment. Uh, it's also our first shot of uh, John Stewart ever not wearing a shirt. And I am here for it <laughs> yeah everyone falls asleep and yeah. then that, but, uh part two opens into the dreams yeah and i i thought this was maybe one of the best cliffhangers yet actually well, yeah because because you know the first episode is all set up yeah like we you know there's the big hitters in there but we don't know what john doe can do john d john d sorry yeah. what john d can do d for destiny yeah, it it's it ends in a very ominous way. Like the 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 threat, we're aware that there is a threat, but it's very abstract, right? All we know is that everyone's gone to sleep, and then it's like the final shot is us drifting away from the watchtower, having seen um, Hot Girl and Flash having fallen asleep at their posts, um, and him just laughing. How irresponsible of them! Like, <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute. Wait, hang on. Who's the more irresponsible one? Because. Hawkgirl made a valiant effort to try and stay awake and even had Flash go make up like a, you know, a, a, a triple mocha latte or whatever the hell it was, you know, in a, in a, in a moment, which so is a, a fun little moment. We hear him in the kitchen off screen and he comes back and she's falling asleep. She tried mm-hmm. and fell asleep. I say Flash is the irresponsible one because he knew that no, he had to stay awake. No, because let's, let's go around this a little bit more. She refused to give up her post, even knowing how exhausted she was, right. which is irresponsible in its own sense. Yeah, like I understand that no one really trusts the Flash to do anything. But also, but like the f- he can look at a screen for twenty minutes while you go take a power nap. But the Flash offered to take the shift. She said no. She fell asleep anyway. So then he had already offered to take the shift. He now knew it was his responsibility to take for a shift, and he fell asleep. But he couldn't be blamed for it because it no. was her fault for falling asleep on shift. No, I'm I, I'm totally blaming the Flash on this one. That he he knew that he had to stay awake to support his teammate who tried her best and couldn't, and he still didn't do it. It's all Flash's fault. It's it's both their fault because <laughs> Flash also knows that like the league can't you know not the league because the league doesn't care. He cares about Batman. Batman can't look at him any lower. Yeah, and so it's like you know like. You know, I don't care what he thinks of me anymore. And he's the only one that would be mad about this. He's not here, so take it's a fine. Nap. Yeah. What does he know? But yeah, like, it's it's this Yeah, very... Martian Manhunter will be back any minute to start his seven-day shift. That's <laughs> true. But yeah, it's, it's this very vague threat. Like, it, it, you know, a lot of these episodes end with us, you know, waiting for 
you know, uh, one of the league is about to get attacked by something, right? You know, you think about the Savage time, you know, one of them is, you know, the three of this big wheel, like tank wheels descending down on John after he's lost his power or, um, you know, it, it's usually some sort of like imminent threat, but here it's so abstract. It's kind of left the imagination as to what may happen next. Yeah. And I think it's really, really effective. And, and it's just so different than what we've seen before. Um, like I think of, of all of the episodes we've watched, I think this is the one where the cliffhanger most made me want to see what happened next. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's really clever. And then uh, to your point, yeah, the, you know, part two opens up and it jumps in and, you know, most league is now, uh, asleep with the exception of Martian Manhunter and Batman who are now trying to find ways to, to stop Dr. Destiny, but he's working his way through all the different dreams to attack the league. And, and I thought that the, the dreams they were all having, the, the nightmares, call them what they are, were really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so flash flash is like having a fun one to start. Mm-hmm. He's watching himself win fights with a bunch of kids. Yeah. He, he's sitting around on a, you know, on a, on the floor with a bunch of kids watching a cartoon, a, an exaggerated cartoon of him fight villains. Yes. Fight Grundy. Oh, that's beat right, up Grundy, Grundy yeah. with the single punch. Mm-hmm. And it was a very like Popeye move, which I I thought was really funny where he like inflates his muscle and then he punches him with his fist and the fist doesn't do anything. And it's the ripple of the muscle going up his arm that knocks out Grundy. Oh, I hit the mic. Yeah. That knocks out Grundy. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's fun. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was fun to see like, you know, in a series that has, we'll call it more realistic animation style to see the animators get a chance to go like full cartoon yeah for a little bit was really fun and like full like looney tunes cartoon especially it's basically what's happening right there like looney tunes mm-hmm. popeye to your point yeah and even even like with with the kids so then the kids turn evil yeah and they try and attack him um and even that is kind of cartoonish yeah. you know they have these like deep fangs mm-hmm. and these razored teeth and they're just kind of gnawing on the flash and he runs away and he goes a little too fast and he enters kind of the the timeless realm mm-hmm. Uh, where the world is frozen around him, one of his greatest fears. Yeah. Um, and that's when Dr. Destiny kind of like explains the situation to him. Uh, but Superman's dream, that, that one like, that one freaked me out the most. Yeah, because it starts out pretty intense. Yeah. He, he's having a dream, you know, he's, his dream is he's on a date with Lois because, you know, it's Superman. Yeah. Um, and he's looking at a menu and he, it, it starts to like burn through and he realized he's lost control of his heat vision and he closes his eyes and it still burns through his eyelids. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to cover his eyes and Lois comes over and she starts to like crack the code of like, I know what you are. I know what you are. And she pulls his hand away and she evaporates. Yeah. And I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. And you know, and even though that happens off screen, you know, the, the shot is just held on, on Clark and his you know lasers basically shooting past the the camera it's a really intense moment the the look of horror on his face you know does all the work of that moment to show what his real nightmare is and you know and i i think from there it it gets a little bit cartoony beyond that because when we revisit his dream he's now in his full superman costume and the daily planet is wrecked but he's like almost grundy size he's like overgrown And, 
you know, he accidentally like squeezes Jimmy to death. And ultimately, like his his biggest fear is that not just death. He explodes. He doesn't explode. He just like cracks. Like he just yeah. Oh, well, then then he like evaporates. Does he? Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't like he can't drop the dead body of Jimmy. That's not okay for kids. Oh, television. I didn't notice that. I assume he just dropped the dead. Yeah, body. Yeah. So he he just kind of like <laughs> he he. You hear the crack, and then the body just kind of like fizzes out of existence. Wee. Yeah. Yeah. But like that, that's me. That's not as horrific as when he, he, you know, vaporizes Lois. But the fear there is that his powers would basically um, continue to grow like they did when he was a kid and they would never stop and he would yeah. be unstoppable. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it does speak a lot to the character that when he's in this state, when he's at his most desperate, he goes back to Smallville and he climbs inside his ship inside the barn it, it, i mean it's basically like him in the fetal position inside a ship like he has nowhere else to go it really highlights um his isolation and his alienness in the world um mm-hmm. and at the end of the day and of like, course it's another alien that comes to save him exactly yeah and you know at the end of the day like superman is kind of just a big kid yeah you know i mean he's got a lot of responsibility on his shoulders but he he's the boy scout he's the boy scout and you know he actually had despite the the trauma of his powers, he had a good childhood and, you know, and so he, he reverts that space sometimes in moments of desperation like this, because it actually has comfort for him. Unlike say Bruce. I was, I was going to say, cause that rivals the next dream so well Mm -hmm. of green lantern who is back home. And he realizes that he doesn't understand anything that's going on around him anymore. Yeah. His, his was a little bit muddled. how would you interpret this? Because for the most part, we're seeing the character's worst nightmares realized. His, his, to me, his worst nightmare is being so absorbed in his new life as a green lantern. He's forgotten the world he's left behind. Okay. And the world he's left behind has changed so much. He can never go back to that space. Okay. Yeah. I think that fits. Yeah. Like, cause like, you know, like, it, it feels very real. Mm-hmm. It's almost like what I'm, you know, what you have experienced and what I've experienced and kind of everyone post college has experienced. If you went away for college or you left your hometown for work or something and you come back, you have an idea of what home is, but then it's completely different from what you remember. Yeah. Yeah. That, but to an extreme version where they now speak like an alien language. Yeah. Um, and I, I did spot this in trivia, which is kind of fun that, you know, John can't, everything's gibberish around him, but like everyone's speaking in incomprehensible tongues and there's all these weird words. And there's this massive billboard sign that looks like it's gibberish, but did you spot what it actually is? It was, it was like a Hawaiian fish. It's the Hawaiian state fish, the humu humu nuku nuku apua. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that was good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I learned about that fish when I was in like the seventh grade and I've just okay. always had it memorized ever since. I was going to say, was that, do you think it was an ad for like, um, Oh, what like was travel the, Hawaii? Uh, like the Hawaiian oh board God, of what, tourism. No, what's what's the what's the like the the fish fast food chain? Long John Silver's. The Long John Silver's. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like I can't I, get past Red Lobster. What's the one I, beyond that? I mean, maybe, but I'm also pretty sure that even in Hawaii, Long John Silver's does not serve deep fried humu humu nuku nuku apua. Given that it is the state, you fish. never know. <laughs> You never know. I'm pretty sure you don't eat the state animal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. 
It's kind of like you don't tread on the state flower. Same kind of concept. I mean, Australia eat fucking kangaroo left and right now, don't yeah, but they? I don't think that's the actual official state animal. But like, yeah, but you're right. Kangaroos are just massive rodents out there. Like, if yeah. you live out in the bush, you have like a massive guard in the front of your ute. So when you hit a kangaroo, it doesn't matter. It doesn't damage your car. Right. Yeah. Look at those. They treat it like we treat deer. Yeah, but basically, yeah. They're just they're the deer of Australia. Who can punch? Who can get crazy jacked and punch you at the same time? Yeah. 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 But yeah, that makes sense. I think GL's biggest nightmare is that he he kind of loses himself to the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, and, and that that's played in a more literal version when John... Oh, so I guess we learned John can go into dreams and help them. Jean can, yeah. So, Martian Mantender can go in. Yeah, sorry. Jean, M.M. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go into GL's dream, and he's literally walking into a giant... Bat, uh, power battery giving himself or giving the rest of him to the lantern yeah and then you know it's the nice like hey your job doesn't define you conversation of like you've never lived in la you don't understand you don't that. understand <laughs> the friends of the real villains of devil wears prada um yeah it it is interesting. It was Vinny Chase all along. It's always, oh, I mean, he, he, if there is a, a real life villain in the entourage, it's absolutely Vinny Chase. Um, it is interesting. Yeah. Like, cause John, it's so interesting to me that John's biggest fear is being lost, losing his identity to the Green Lantern Corps because being a Marine is also a big part of his own identity. You know, he even has, right. you know, the U.S. Marine Corps tattooed on his arm. Um, and it's not something that he necessarily references a lot, but when he does, you know, it it is something that he is understandably very proud to have been a part of. And so you kind of wonder what element those are tied together, right? It's like, he, is that something that he's super proud of, but does he, you know, is there an element of his character where he feels that he was, you know, lost a bit of his identity to being part of the Marine Corps. And so then he's afraid of it happening again with the Green Lantern Corps. I don't know. It, it, you can kind of understand where this this fear would come from and why the writers chose to explore it, but it also feels maybe slightly counterintuitive to him. Well, Chris, if we can pull to the comics for a second. Uh-huh. Um, when Hal was gone, all the Green Lanterns of Earth kind of changed themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for John, his his biggest thing was when Hal was around, he was never afraid, afraid to question authority. Okay. He, he, he would stand up for what is right, for what he knew was right. Mm-hmm. And when Hal disappeared, he lost that part of him where he just kind of went along with what his group was saying. So when he was, you know, when he was with the Marines, he would just do what the Marines told him to do. When he was with the Lanterns, he just did what the Lantern told him to do. Mm-hmm. And it was Guy that had to come in, kind of smack him around a little bit. It's like, hey, Hal wouldn't fucking stand for this. He doesn't let you just go with the flow. Like, you have to give your input on why you're doing this. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe he's in that s- a similar space of just kind of like, they are the greatest good, so I must do what they say kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I could see that kind of working here, which basically just means that uh, Martian Manhunter is the guy gardener of this plot. 
Hell yeah. There's a there's a substantial upgrade for you right there. <laughs> I don't know, man. He needs the bowl cut. <laughs> I mean, he's got the he's got the pronounced brow. It's almost there. It's close-ish. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, we we referenced this up at the top of the show, but Hot Girls Nightmare is getting um buried alive. And they they set that up in the beginning of the first episode when she's fighting luminous, he uses one of his illusions or uh, hard light constructs to trap her inside of a box that Superman has to rescue her from. So we, we get a tease that she has maybe some sense of claustrophobia. Yeah. It, it works on the most superficial level, which is that a character who um, can fly, which is like the greatest sense of like physical freedom and mobility that their fear would be losing that by being confined to a box. It feels like a bit of a lazy shorthand rather than diving into, you know, a, uh, an actual like emotional based and like psychological based fear of hot girls. I don't know. Did you kind of feel that way too? That maybe the, the, yeah, the other characters I, got better <clears throat> dreams essentially. Well, I think it. I think it is, and we've brought it up a few times. I think it is them still trying to hide what's going to happen yeah. at the end of the season. I, I, and so I, there's only so much they can show. I think that's it. Yeah, and I, it. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that they will. They're holding back on giving Hot Girl a lot to do emotionally because they're holding some big guns for the end, and there there will ultimately be a payoff with that character, especially once we get into JLU sometimes here it feels like it becomes an excuse for them to be lazy. And I think we can justify it knowing that they're deliberately holding back. Um, but, you know, as a character that also is often kind of pushed into the background of the show, I don't know. I kind of wish we had gotten a little bit more here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that we've, we've seen that she misses home, that she hates being alone. There, there could have been a storyline about her being, um, like a, a dream, a nightmare about her being, you know, not just physically confined, but like, you know, separated from people and isolated in that sort of sense. But well, I, th- I think know. the problem there is that is just what Flash's nightmare was. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and they have to have some sort of stakes as the other, as Martian Manhunter is able to go through and, and rescue the other heroes from their dreams. They all kind of proceed with him into the other person. So by the time that they have, you know, rescued, Superman and GL and Flash, then they're they're trapped. They 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 can't get into Hot Girl's mind for some reason. Um, something that will eventually, I think, if I recall, be explained when we get to Starcrossed why they can't do that. But it also kind of feels like they just made Hot Girl the damsel in distress here. Yeah, to some degree. And I just I kind of wish they had done something a little bit more clever with her. Um, and, and maybe it's also just that I, I'm still a little bit frustrated by how they treated. Um, john's wife that i was just like it, it felt like the two primary female characters in this were were not done well by the writing maybe to some degree yeah i was gonna say you want to talk about lazy writing there's three johns in this episode <laughs> I, I mean i guess that more falls on to the comics creators for not coming up with more names yeah because i i did look it up and and john d aka dr destiny is fairly similar to his comics counterpart but i guess the difference is is in the comics it's a a magical stone that gives him his abilities Mm, rather than a a a machine though it still has um the same weird name which is materioptica materioptican 
Yeah. Yeah. The mat- sure. Sure. <clears throat> Which I, I don't remember them naming it in this episode, but maybe I just missed it. But it, otherwise, he has essentially the same look and power set. Yeah. So. Um, and I, I don't think he's a prisoner, though, in the comics. I think it's a slightly different take on it a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's there's way too many Johns in this. It just gets redundant at a certain point. But, so, you know, so while Martian Manhunter has been off going through the dreams, rescuing everyone else, Batman has been out in the real world trying to hunt down John D. And, and this is maybe my favorite part of the episode is how Batman uh, approaches this crusade so he knows that john has to be hiding somewhere he would feel safe um for him to be uh you know lucid enough to then you know be involved in someone else's dreams so he's out in the battle and be able to try to hunt him down but batman's tired because as he said he's gone three days without sleep now and they just did this this massive manhunt so he's starting to fall asleep and so the first thing he does and I, I love this scene so much is he stops off at like a mcdonald's and orders a triple espresso yeah like a corner diner yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just uh, the funny thing is he probably didn't even cut to the front of the line if if you're in that diner and all of a sudden batman walks in and just starts walking towards the counter you're gonna move out of the way to accommodate him i i would love that shot though of uh, there's like one stubborn person it's like <laughs> no i've been waiting two minutes no one is gonna get in front of me you're just off to some random costume party who are you? Even? Yeah, I mean, but that that would probably be the thought, though. Yeah, someone would assume it's just some guy dressed as Batman. You don't expect the actual Batman to show up. Yeah, but I I love that. But you know, even despite the the caffeine rush, he's still starting to get sleepy, and you know, uh, Doctor Destiny is able to kind of get further and further into to Bruce's mind, and so uh, you know, he he his solution is to smash the windshield of the Batmobile to let the cold air rush in. And then he puts on the radio to like a kid's like chorus singing Frere Jaca. Yeah. And you know that the, the Batmobile has like, he can roll the windows down. No, he can't, but he needed the, he needed the rush. He can't, there are no windows. It's just windshields. He can roll it down. He can't roll it down. He can just move it forward. He can roll it down. I mean, you know, he, he can, could, he could slide the roof forward and keep driving with it open. I suppose. Yeah, have have a nice moonroof. Yeah, stick his head out the window like a dog or Ace Ventura. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He just he, he didn't need the adrenaline rush of like smashing through the windshield. But you you kind of feel like that the him listening to the music is just like a one off way for him to stay awake. But the really clever thing he does is when he actually shows up to like the the warehouse where Destiny is hiding to keep Destiny out of his mind, he keeps humming the song as a distraction. Yeah, so I, I, I guess I didn't hear him humming the song at the beginning because Dr. Destiny's in his, in his mind. And he's like, why are you singing that song? And you only hear like the Batman theme, not the, the main theme, but like the, music, the, the score. score playing over. And I'm like, is Batman just singing his own theme? I, I, I couldn't tell what was diegetic and what wasn't <laughs> in the scene. And I'm like, Batman is totally just humming his own theme song. He's like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. It, like it, it would also work. It would work. It would absolutely work. But it, it just, it, they, they do such a good job of giving Batman these random moments to one up people in kind of almost like increasingly petty ways. Like that is, that is so petty to just like sing a kid's song to keep, your villain out of your head 
Yeah. And even when Dr. Destiny threatens to like get inside his brain, Batman's just like, you don't want to be inside my brain. My brain is yeah, not like, a nice is place. A, this is a shitty place. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be here. And I, that's what I, I thought was going to happen maybe at one point was that Destiny was going to get into his head and then like Batman was going to like trap him inside his own nightmare, which I feel like maybe was a plot point in The Brave and the Bold. That, that idea seems vaguely familiar to me. But I thought this was more clever, actually. Like, I think that would have been a bit extreme to be like, oh, Batman's brain is so fucked up that he can take out, an, you know, an ESP villain inside his right. own head. But I thought this was much more clever. I'm just like, no, I'm just going to hum. Mm-hmm. Just going to hum. Keep you out. Yeah. You you can't stop me. And then gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs> run, run, well, because I mean, that's can. also like what my mom would do is like whenever I was stressed. And it, it's very much that like mentality of when you're a kid. And you like you scrape your knee and someone like punches you in the shoulder. It's like, but your knee doesn't hurt anymore. Kind of mentality. Did that happen to you a lot as a kid? Yeah, constantly. That was like the elementary school thing. Part of me thought you were gonna say that your mom used to do it to you. No, no, no. no. What I was saying is and like, Cindy, if I, I love if you. I, I, I don't think get, you would do this, but I can totally see Karen spinning that tale. If like if I couldn't get my brain off of a thought, she would start singing the Small World song. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it annoyed both of us so much at the time. <laughs> this maybe helps explain why you hated Disney for so long up until you then became a Disney fanatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My mom was secretly uh, incepting these thoughts into me. Then, Cindy, I'm so sorry. I I undid all of your your noble work. Decades. Decades, decades of noble of work, work by taking Cameron to Disneyland. And uh, we, he was lost. Yeah. To the magical abyss. Man, I miss it. I miss it so much. But, I mean, you know, the episode then kind of wraps up pretty quickly. Like, Batman and and John get into a fight. He accidentally, like, plunges himself with some sort of, like, knockout serum or whatever. And basically just goes comatose. And then, you know, everyone's able to get rescued out of the dreams. Um, And it's not... It's not quite the final shot, but it's... the, The final button on the hero story is they're all now up in... Um, the med bay on the watchtower and everyone's like happy they're all resuscitated. Yeah, and like well rested. Well rested and feeling good and they pan over and, and Batman is just conked the fuck out in a chair. Do you... Here, here's a, another dumb question for you. Do you think Batman, when he's sleeping, has like safety precautions if someone tries, when I say someone flash, tries to draw something on his face? <laughs> like... In the same way that if you try to take his mask off, like it'll electrocute you or it'll like yeah. dispense gas. Mm-hmm. It happens if you try to take a magic marker to his face. I think there's like, you can't see it, but there's like a very thin layer of plastic that drops down uh-huh. on the exposed bits. Yeah. And so when Flash tries to like draw, it just like goes on the plastic. It just wipes off. Yeah. <laughs> he has a contingency for absolutely everything. So yes. Everything. Yes. He, he would have a contingency for Flash drawing on his face while he's asleep. He has so many Flash contingencies. Yeah. Most of his contingencies now at this point is how to just prevent yeah. Flash and He's like, I will never let him one-up me ever. No. It's like, if he ever tries to trip me, I have a pole set up in my knee, so it'll immediately fall and catch me before I fall. <laughs> I respect like, He will never, ever one-up me. No. Uh... But I also want to give a, a little shout to some of the uh, the voice cast we get in here. So not only do we get a bunch of returning cast members to do you know little voice cameos. So Clancy's Brown is back as Lex. Mark Hamill's back as Joker, and Solomon Grundy. Um, you know Dana Delaney's back as Lois. 
But in terms of the uh, the guest cast, um, Penny is voiced by um, Feruza Balk. Do you know who that is? I don't. So it's a name that I recognize by the name, and then I, I, I looked her up. So she – you might know her best from The Waterboy. She's like the love interest in Adam Sandler's The yes. Waterboy. She's also yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. The Craft. She's in The Craft, The yeah. Craft, I think, is probably her most famous role. But, um, you know, a very distinctive – like character actor. So I thought that was kind of fun that she was in here. And then to me, this I was super excited about. So Dr. Destiny, John D himself was voiced by William Atherton. Now you may not know William Atherton by name, but you know him by his two most famous characters, which is Walter Peck from Ghostbusters. And then of course you would have seen this recently, Cameron, Richard Thornburg from Die Hard, the, the really sleazy. Oh, the scummy guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has, oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, he's made a career out of like playing just like really sleazy characters, but those two in particular really jump out. His his character from Die Hard, who makes an appearance in Die Hard Two, um, and then of course Walter Peck, aka Dickless from Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love that, that that was him. That's great. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy who you know in in two movies cemented himself in pop culture, uh, you know, legend, which is pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, overall, I I really quite enjoyed these um it's it's weird like i'm kind of jumping forward a little bit i feel like they would be debatable whether they would fall on a short list or not i don't know if they're necessarily like super canonically critical nor are they exceptional episodes but they did something different than everything else and for that i think it deserves a lot of credit yeah you know it's we always see them kind of together as a team and this is the first time they're like vulnerable separately and they they did a good job of you know utilizing the dream space as a way to make them vulnerable because often we're we're very critical of how they come up with insane ways to make the characters seem weak Mm -hmm. but also for it being set in the dream worlds it it didn't feel super rote in the uh, you know um or cliche in the way that a lot of you know oh we're inside the dream space stuff can yeah, it still felt fairly grounded for the most part. I mean, the the most extreme of all the dreams was visually, I'd say, would be the flashes, and that just kind of makes sense because the Flash is a weird dude. Oh, I would say Superman. I think what he went through was the most extreme, but I think the Flash, his world felt the most dreamlike, and yeah, it felt the most detached from reality. Um. But yeah, I liked these. I liked them quite a bit. So did I. Yeah. I, I have a, a last question that we that we can probably save for another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we constantly see, and, and this is going to be a theme forever in ever in every cartoon ever. Um, but we see when Grundy escapes and the police just launch an onslaught of bullets yes. at all of these invulnerable characters how much money are they wasting <laughs> burning through all these shells? And who, and where does that money come from? The, well, one, it comes from the taxpayers. Yeah. And two, I don't think they care. Fair. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that was my only point. But I mean, I mean, so yes, you're right. They, they spend an insane amount of money on uh, wasting bullets, but this is endless. They never endless. run out. But this is also the same police force that pulls out rocket launchers on a whim. So that's true. I don't think that their bullet budget 
makes that much of a difference compared to all the other ridiculous places they spend their money. Yes. Yeah. God. Great. It's, it's amazing. All right. Well, that, I think, takes care of the episodes. Uh, let's move on to some bad plugs. So, Cameron, what do you have to, to plug for us this week? Oh, gosh. What do I have to plug? Um, I have been watching all of my Christmas movies. Of course. And there's one that's, a, you know, it's a common movie, but I just hadn't seen it in years. And that is the Santa Claus 2. Okay. Did you watch it because Weekly Planet did a caravan of garbage on it? I they I saw that they it was on my list. Okay. And I saw that they did it and I haven't watched their Caravan of Garbage yet. Okay. I listened to it and it did make me kind of want to revisit the movie, which I haven't seen I think since it came out in theaters. Yeah, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good for a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um and yeah, I, I watched it with with a friend and it was a very nice like holiday treat. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then uh, you plugged it last week, but I watched um, the Hulu movie. Uh, oh, Happy what, Season. What is it called? Happy, yes. Yeah, what do you think? And that was also very sweet. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah, it's I, it's a little contrived at points, but I think it's still worth watching. I think it's still a you know a sweet story, and, a, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, I, I don't want to, like, separate us from the common people because we're not... But like, you know, it, it is looking at a well-off family and the problems that causes for kids. Yeah. I I think you and I might have, yes, some some slight um, slightly more resonance there, both coming from waspy well-off families. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can maybe relate to some of the very particular trauma that comes with that. Yeah, and you know, and not in not even just us, but like seeing how friends act and yeah you know, the high schools we went to and, and the kind of kids that come from there. Yeah. There, there's some similarities, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then, you know, all the Disney stuff that we'll talk about later. Of course. Yes. Uh, but what about you? What have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, so I uh, listened to the latest episode of, uh, again, the aforementioned Sam Gash's podcast, Ideal Remake, which was on Scooby-Doo. <gasps> yes. Um, and it actually was it short was it them just saying that there's nothing wrong no far from it um but they they were both sam and his guest were actually both very complimentary of the first one as they should be because it's the superior one they did dive into a lot of like the background stuff that made the film what it is and you know talking about james gunn's more like um like adult focused like send up meta take on scooby-doo which was like the script that everyone signed on for. And then after Josie and the Pussycats bombed the box office, like the studio scrambled to then like kidify this movie, which is why it came out as like this weird, tonally muddled mess. Um, Masterpiece is the word you meant but to say, it but made yeah, go me, on. It made me interested enough to want to revisit the movie at some point. Um, also, I just remembered, I have a copy of James Gunn's script. Like I found it online and saved it. Oh, so that's I'll awesome. send it to you. But yeah, and I I feel like I'm going to come to regret this as I often do whenever I I indulge your 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 whims on this podcast, Cameron. It makes me think that maybe down the line I might be open to doing a Scooby Doo episode. <gasps> well, Chris, I I've told you and a little peek behind the curtain for everyone else listening. I over Halloween I rewatched um, Scooby Doo two, yeah, 
and I made a incredibly detailed list yes. of everything that's wrong with Scooby Doo Two. Yes, and why Scooby Doo One is the superior film. It I it makes me think that I might be open to doing an, uh, an episode about Scooby Doo One and Two, and then maybe also talking about that script because I think there could be something interesting there. Um, and I feel like I have now forced myself into having to do this because I've mentioned it to you and put it on air. Mm-hmm. But it's a good. it's a it's a good episode. They, they come up with a, a you know a pretty clever take on how to do a, a you know a, a remake on it, and they even acknowledge like you know their version is to do a new movie, but they would both honestly rather just do a third film with that same cast, which is one hundred percent perfect. Yeah, I mean that cast is so good. It is. It really, really is. And so, uh, but no, it's it's a great episode. Definitely recommend people check it out. And I might I'm I might go check that script out at some point now too. I th- I think it's the the raunchier James Gunn. It's it's a draft by him. I just I think it's the version that's still raunchy. I'm not sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's one of my plugs. And the other one is uh, just the Above and Batman Beyond channel. So Benjamin David wrote in and just said that he's uh, basically um, bringing the podcast uh, back this month with a Return of the Joker 20th anniversary commentary on the movie, and then uh, also going to do an interview with the composer Christopher Carter on the score. And That's then his awesome. uh, DC animated movie show on YouTube will also be going out um, as a podcast. So he just asked if we could give him a nice little shout out, which we're always happy to do. He's always very uh, lovely and supportive of the show. And uh, uh, he actually sent along a brief little trailer, which I'm going to throw in here. Hi, I'm Benjamin David. Welcome to my YouTube channel, Above and Batman Beyond. I'm a filmmaker, journalist, and podcaster. And on our channel, we'll be posting videos about Batman Beyond, DC animated movies, as well as frequent updates in DC entertainment. Along with my pod co-host, close friend, and Beyond expert, Eli Benson, we'll be posting videos to the channel every Sunday and Wednesday. You can expect frequent breakdowns of Batman Beyond from the animated series to the comics and even movies. And we also have our DC animated movie show right here on the channel. Tune in for analysis and updates for the ongoing catalog of DC animated movies. So be sure to subscribe to the channel and you'll be the first to know when we post new content and comment below to introduce yourself. So this has been Benjamin David telling you to go above and Batman beyond. And I did. I threw it in there. Whoa. That sounds great. Yeah, no, he's a great guy. Great stuff. You know, primarily Batman Beyond focus, but obviously, you know, uh, he tackles all kinds of DC stuff and he gets some really great interviews with people along the way, too. Um, You know, he actually like approaches it like a journalist the way we don't. So uh, what, what are you talking about? This is exactly how a journalist would handle this episode. I feel like I've I've used the phrase journalistic integrity to describe us at least once before on the podcast. And it always just feels like really gross to say it because we're, we're the furthest thing from journalists. Yes. Well, I mean, but that that is like if we were to submit a form to go to Comic-Con, we would have to say we're journalists. Uh, I tried not for Comic-Con, but for Emerald City Comic-Con. And even then we were deemed not worthy. <laughs> of they must listen to the wrong episode we did we need to send them the right episode there is no right episode to send they get five we'll, minutes we'll in. record a fake episode yeah. five minutes in, like no it's not worth it these two don't deserve it from there camera i think you have a question for us this week <gasps> i have a question for you chris yes it, it's it's a fairly simple question and it's a question that i've used to cheat a lot okay. for myself mm-hmm. and my question is Here's the premise. A movie studio gives you $100 million to write and direct your first movie under the obligation that it's a versus movie. Mm-hmm. So what two characters do you match up for your $100 million movie? Okay. I love this question. I think it's brilliant. Um, 
I'm going to have you go first because you sent it to me right beforehand and I still haven't come up with a good answer. So I'm going to like just mentally rack my brain while you say what you're, you would want to do with this. Okay. Here, here was my first thought and it, it's the dumbest one. Mm. And they kind of scale from dumb to interesting back to dumb to like, that actually sounds pretty good. Okay. Dumb idea. One Benjamin Gates from national treasure versus Johnny English. <laughs> Why? Because they're both ripoffs of more famous versions of those like archetypes. Yes. <laughs> and I just feel like Rowan Atkinson and Nick Cage would either get along really well or absolutely despise each other. Yeah, that uh, I can see. Yeah, actually, it's a good point. It's going to be one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two, Baby Driver versus Fast and Furious. <laughs> okay. Here for it. Yep. I, I maybe you can help me with this one. I want a Roger Rabbit, but I don't know who is like a formidable foil to Roger Rabbit. I mean, I feel like the the obvious one would be Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah, but like we saw Bugs Bunny in Roger Rabbit already. But he never interacted with Roger. That's true. And they are kind of foils for each other, right? I mean, the thing is, is that Roger is well intentioned but stupid. Whereas Bugs is crafty and not well-intentioned at all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that could make for an interesting pairing. Because weirdly enough, my first thought, and this is just, I think, too weird, was was Roger Rabbit versus Shrek. Okay. I can kind of see it. There's a meta element to both. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Roger Rabbit is very donkey-esque. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like it would would just kind of be that relationship again. Yeah. Um. What's the other one? The one that we've talked about many a time and the internet has talked about forever. Uh, but with a little twist, I want Men in Black versus Transformers teamed up with Fast and Furious. Oh, my God. There's so much in there. Wait, say that. There's so much there. Wait, so the Transformers are being piloted by the crew of the Fast and the Furious and they're going up of against course. Men in Black? Yes. But what? Why? Because they're aliens. Oh, I guess technically they are aliens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's true. In this case, it'd be aliens piloted by a potato in a vest. Yep. Yeah. Um, and on that note, here's dumb idea number two. Uh, on a smaller scale, uh, Cousin It uh-huh. from Adam's Family mm-hmm. <laughs> versus Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the story is going to be, but I just think that's a fun visual. You know what? I It actually, it works. They, they both come from a, a, a slightly twisted macabre aesthetic. I think it works very, very well. Yeah, give it to Tim Burton. Yeah, absolutely. Just give it to Tim Burton. He can handle that. And then here, here's my favorite answer. Yeah. Which, again, you may see as cheating. Okay. But I have $100 million to make a versus film for two characters. Speed Racer mm-hmm. versus Racer X is just a Speed Racer sequel fine sure it's kind of a cheap but i'll take it i i i would be down for it yeah 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 it's so good it is i know it's great it is great yeah and with that million hundred million dollars i would just keep spritel as far away from the set as i could as money would let me there you go just buy a little candy and have them off on the side yeah yeah i'm not gonna argue with you on making another speed racer movie i i i join you in being a major defender of that you understand i do you're I a do. believer. I know. And I I really wish someone would make 
the anti-spritle cut of that movie. I just wanted to exist so I can watch that instead. Yeah. But alas, I need a better editor than me to do it. So same. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that is kind of a cheat, but I, I also kind of agree with you. I'm kind of here for it. Mm-hmm. Have, you, um, have you been able to craft anything yet? So you, you with your, your Benjamin Gates thing, it made me realize I, I, I did come up with one. And it is a slight cheat because it's going to be more than two characters. That's fine. I had, I had Men in Black and Transformers and Fast and Furious. But uh, I want to have a movie where it's Han Solo mm-hmm. versus Indiana Jones Yep, versus the, Harrison the Ford's off. version of Jack Ryan versus whatever his president name is from Air Force One. And I want all the Harrison, forms, the Harrison Fords to be fighting each other just to see who can out apathy the most. Like who, <laughs> just four different characters, none of whom want to be in that film fighting each other. No, I think the problem is the film would just end mid-shooting <laughs> because Harrison Ford would just have left set and never came back. Or, or it honestly would have just been Indiana Jones and Han Solo shooting each other right at the same moment, and then it ends. Yeah. <laughs> it would have ended with Harrison Ford interviewing himself. Exactly. With the real Harrison Ford. <laughs> but I just, I so love like, the Why ad- did you make this movie? And he just goes, money. And then it cuts to black. <laughs> I just love the idea of Harrison Ford being in an apathy contest with himself. Yes, that is good. <laughs> I feel like you do the exact same thing with Bruce Willis and it would also be entertaining. Yeah. But I feel like the difference is, is that Bruce Willis like doesn't try. Whereas like Harrison Ford puts effort into his apathy. Like he makes a production out of his lack of interest. Okay. So, so with that, I think that that's a whole other conversation you can have of character actor V character of actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's another one I want to pitch to you and, and maybe you can pick two for this character, for this actor, Michael Sarah. Oh, okay. Oh. Two Michael Sarah characters enter a football field. And it's just two hours of them asking each other what's going on. I mean, I feel like you've just described, I guess this is kind of a spoiler, the ending of Scott Pilgrim, where he yeah, just Scott has a conversation. Scott. Yeah, he just has a conversation with himself. Like, oh, yeah, we have a lot in common. I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get waffles after this. Yes. That's true. Yeah. They would never fight. They would never fight. No, like all of his characters. Unless, would... unless it is the Michael Sarah from Molly's game where he's playing Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, yeah. <laughs> that would be entertaining. That that I would watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, that that is a great question. I would love to. Oh, hear oh, and there's one more. I forgot about this one because this is the one that I saw online, and okay. it's such a good answer. Wait, this wasn't an original question from you. No, I'm sorry. You cheat, Cameron. I saw it online. You dirty cheater. But it's such a good question. Mm-hmm. All the answers were mine. Okay. Except this one, because I just love this idea of Kevin McAllister from Home Alone uh, versus Mr. Bean. Why Mr. Bean? Because he would just blunder his way through all the traps and never get hurt. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought you were going to say Kevin McAllister versus MacGyver. That's also good. Maybe maybe we'll switch it. Maybe we'll do like Jigsaw versus Mr. Bean. Or Jigsaw versus Kevin McAllister. Yes. <laughs> or is Kevin McAllister just Jigsaw? I think I think that is the prevailing theory right now. Yes. That would kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I, I would watch those. That's also fantastic. Yes. Um, but yeah, th- I, this is a fantastic question, even if it's not yours, technically. I love it. I, I would love to hear people's responses to this. So yeah, if, if 
you were given a hundred million dollars to make a versus movie, which two characters would you have go up against each other? Mm-hmm. Really would love to hear your answers. Uh, and along those lines, we got some, um, some notes from friends here. Um, still getting responses from the, the question about what other DCAU seasons would you have liked to see? So we got a, a few oh, answers good. here. Um, so we had one from um, someone named Person High on YouTube. Yes, we're on YouTube. Um, and they suggested to actually just have another season of Justice League, but slot it in between seasons one and two. Okay. Because you couldn't really have a third season of Justice League because then you're just in the Justice League Unlimited space. But right. you could definitely just have more you know, episodes and adventures with this cast of characters um, between the two. Yeah, that's a great thought. Yeah. yeah. Something that we never considered. We automatically just assumed like we were tacking yeah, tack on, on at the end. end, but you could do like a mid-season thing. You totally could. So I thought that was pretty uh, a pretty clever response. And then uh, Sam Gash, uh, when he wrote in to mention the, uh, the, the nerfing of Superman and Martian Manhunter, also said that he would want a additional season of Superman set after Legacy that would have actually addressed how Superman re-earns the trust of the people after he betrays yeah. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit, that they kind of skirt past that when we pick up again with Justice League. But, you know, Sam's point is something happened between the end of Superman and the beginning of Justice League where the world trusts him enough to single-handedly, like, spearhead nuclear disarmament. Like, clearly he did something to re-earn that trust. And, and I think that was the intent of the original follow-up season that never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there is a lot of really good story to mine there and to maybe, um, you know, flesh out his relationship with Lois a little bit more and to, to see some stuff happen there. So um, yeah, would love to see that. And then uh, uh, Chris Ballar wrote in via email. Yes, we're on email. Uh, and he suggested basically Batman beyond the college years. Uh, and to his point, minus Zach Morris. No, you need <laughs> Zach Morris. And, uh, and, and Chris, do forgive me. He had a, a, a really fantastic lengthy email, but for the sake of brevity, I'm, I'm kind of shorting it down here. But the general idea that he went for was that, um, you know, it's Terry after high school, um, you know, maybe that Bruce's health is ailing further. So the McGinnis family moves in with him and Bruce kind of further mentors like uh, Terry and Max. Um, and then Chris had also suggested uh, Chelsea, one of the other supporting characters, and then Jared, who is the, the stepson of the armory the guy who built all the crazy high-tech armor that the four of them kind of end up becoming like a new mini bat team that's being mentored by batman um and you know, and they start to like not only just become crime fighters but actually start to like work towards like some sense of like reforming the police department and fighting corruption stuff like that in gotham and, and i think that would be an interesting place to explore in batman beyond as well as like what happens between you know, the end of the series and epilogue. There's a lot of time to cover there. You know, what, Mm -hmm. what does Terry do after high school? Like, does he go to college? Does he end up working for Wayne tech? Like what path does he end up on? We don't really know the answers to those questions. So if you want a similar story to that, a comic that I I started recently, but then kind of took a pause for a minute to read other things. uh, Invincible has a lot of those stories. Yeah. So the first like 10 ish issues, are him in high school, but then it is him transitioning to college and dealing with being, you know, the number one hero on earth while also being a normal college kid. Oh, that's clever. I didn't realize it explored that element. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I, I need to go read that at some point. So, Oh, I have the first 60 issues in my apartment. <laughs> there they go. The first compendium. Yeah. Well, if you really want to read the Batman sixties compendium, I have that as well. 
Oh, so, good. We'll trade. We'll trade. Yeah, we'll do a swapsies. So, um, but no, thank you everyone for for writing in. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate those responses, and uh, you know, I, I think it's cool to see there's still so much excitement and fervor around the DCAU, and people wanting to see more out of that. So hopefully, we end up getting more hashtag Justice League reunion. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so if you have, um, you know, other suggestions for additional seasons of the DCAU, if you have suggestions for Cameron's $100 million versus film, uh, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter on Instagram. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Cameron, I just updated I, my website. You did. Nice. You updated your website. But I also have a, a slight bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. Did I misspell I, something? No. I feel like you should update your profile photo on your art Instagram. Like it's, I, I just noticed that yesterday because yeah. I posted a story to it. And I realized I haven't updated that in two art style changes. Yeah. Like your your new art style is you know much more sophisticated and dynamic uh, than your uh, original Those are one. not words you should describe a cylinder with eyes. But it is no like your your new character has a, a much more expressive face, and I feel like you need should update your your Instagram to reflect that. Yes, I do need to update the profile picture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's very it's very expressive now. You're very expressive with your art. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like when we do our our Disney news episode, the artwork should be you talking nonstop and me with my head in the desk, uh, dead with exhaustion. It's just going to be me with my head exploding. Exactly, and you in the corner. <laughs> it's going like shh shut up <laughs> me me getting ready to like <laughs> like tie a noose around a ceiling fan while you keep talking about <laughs> disney oh <laughs> uh, but yeah and that will be to come um the plan is to, <sighs> to have that episode drop the same day you're gonna get two tim talk episodes in one so either you're welcome or either i'm sorry take it yes. either response is appropriate i mean we'll call it what it is it's gonna be cam talk it's, oh god it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting certainly um, i'm gonna get some tea i'm gonna work on my voice i'm gonna get it warm and ready oh god well and i'm just not gonna stop talking yes until tuesday well you may look forward to that if you want to listen to it the great thing is i've structured it so you don't have to <laughs> yes uh but if you want to find me i'm at lordifer on twitter and instagram and i'm actually been posting some instagram stuff i'm going through you my, are your advent calendar stuff. yeah my, my lego star wars advent calendar doing that every day um you know and trying to post some little fun little jokes and commentary in there along the way as well so uh, go check that out there and uh, you know it is christmas i'm getting more legos and i'll be uh you know posting more lego stuff on there which pretty much all i post at this point anyways yeah but it's worth it i guess um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Justice League, which will be Made of Honor, uh, a Wonder Woman episode that uh, also sees the return of a great Justice League villain. So, it's Vandal Savage. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> I was running through the list. <laughs> Like, it, it's, is it's it Grundy? It's kind of a spoiler to say it's Vandal Savage, but yeah, you figured out very quickly. Oh, it's just Vandal Savage. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with that. And then uh, it is the end of the year. We will be, I imagine, doing an episode on Wonder Woman 84 and then also our year in review coming up soon as well. Yeah. So whatever there is to review this year, I guess we'll be talking about it. So Just Wonder Woman. Just Wonder Woman. So uh, look forward to those. But until then, thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Uh, bye. Bye. Bum, 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 bum.
Bye-bye.